Welcome to Advance, a podcast devoted to helping strengthen churches for gospel movement. I'm your host, Brian Moak, Vice President of Church Strengthening with Converge Mid-America. Today we're going to talk about a subject that on one hand, most churches generally agree is extremely important, and yet on the other hand, struggle mightily with creating effective strategies more than almost any other subject, and that is the issue of small groups. It's not a matter of if your church has small groups. It's more a question of what those small groups look like. So are they Sunday school classes, Bible studies, affinity groups, or the more traditional small group model? The simple reality is that most churches just flat out struggle with doing them well. So how can such an important topic contain so much confusion and frustration? Well, to help us discuss this important issue, I'm pleased to welcome Daniel Warren. Daniel is executive pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, Trinity is a big church, and as a big church, they need to have effective small groups. And so Daniel is well-equipped to help us with this important subject. So Daniel, thanks a bunch for being on the podcast and helping us wade through this topic of small groups that work. Hey, thanks, Brian. It's good to be here today. Looking forward to spending some time with you. So give me the two-minute Daniel Warren story. All right. So I'm Daniel, married to my wife, Melissa. And in August, it will be 28 years that we've been married. congrats. Uh, We have four kids. Uh, Trey, my oldest, is getting ready to turn 26. And uh, he's actually getting ready to do his first, do a church plant um, in the Orlando area. And uh, we're excited for him. He has our first grandchild, who is the only one we really care about anymore. There you go. That's it. And I have a 22-year-old son, Trenton, who uh, is my techie and entrepreneur. He's in the AVL world, does a lot of our tech for our church, and does a lot of filming and consulting for audio-video stuff. And then I have a 19-year-old son who is in college studying uh, criminal justice, wants to be law, do law enforcement for his career. And then we have our princess, Devin, who is 11, our daughter, and uh, she gets a lot of my money. Yeah. So, uh, no, we love her. And that's us. We, um, I executive pastor at the church, like you said, uh, really loved strategy and big picture stuff and uh, getting things implemented and getting things done. My relationship with Trinity has been a lifelong one. I, was, I started in our academy whenever I was in kindergarten. Um, at that point, my uncle was a church planter, and we were. Uh, my dad was on his launch team, and I don't know that they called it a launch team back then, uh, but he was a charter member, there I think is what we would have said. So grew up in my uncle's uh, church plant. Then whenever I was about 11, moved our family moved our church membership to Trinity, then been employed there since 94, taught in our academy for six years, did middle school for seven years, uh, middle school ministry, then did young adults, then small groups, then moved into a campus pastor role, and uh, now into executive pastor. Yeah, great. Yeah, so you're, you've been jack of all trades. I've worn a lot of hats. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Well, hey, uh, in, in this area of small groups, uh, let's start this way. Uh, how do you define them? How do you define small groups? And then within that, why are they so important? Okay, for us, um, and I'll talk in our context, we define a small group as a group of people who meet regularly um, in order to Really, we, we build ours around three core functions. They're going to connect in relationships. They're going to really build community 
where that care takes place and then help each other grow spiritually. Mm. Um, so that's really, to me, what a small group is going to do. It's about building those connections, getting to know people, taking care of people, and then helping each other grow spiritually. And I think they really are important because uh, spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships, and you do not build relationships uh, in large group worship services. They're yeah. designed to be hurt. Listen, you're in a listening and learning posture, not in a being known and interacting posture, which our small groups should be providing for that relational. I mean, so in our church, my uh, Tom, our senior pastor, he's going to be preaching to my mom, uh, who's in the in the room, uh, me, my son. And, uh, you know, and now my grandson, you know, so it's just, it's too much for him to contextualize and personalize because it's such a wide gap. The small group really lets it get personal. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, the, the question in churches are, uh, is, is small groups going to be an A strategy for you or is it just going to be simply one of a lot of different opportunities? And so I know a lot of churches talk about it this way is, are we going to be a church with small groups or are we going to be a church of small groups? So what's kind of the difference between that? You know, what, wh- how, how should we be thinking about it that way? Is there a right way to think about it? And maybe in that is, uh, what's your small group strategy? As it, as it relates to that. Sure. I think for, if, if those are our three primary functions of a small group, that's where connections and communities built. A church with small groups may have multiple ways to build relationships, multiple ways that pastoral care and uh, that accountability, um, both positively and negatively, you know, that word with accountability. Yeah, right. Uh, it can happen in multiple ways. If you're in a small group, it, it's or if you're not, you can still be really deeply connected to a lot of what's going on. Hmm. Um, that's a church with small groups. Um, that, to me, the church of small groups is much more effective and efficient. Um, you know, for us, we'll have families say, you know, nobody came and visited me at the hospital. And our hmm. thing is, well, where's your small group leader? Or yeah. what small group are you in? Yeah, yeah. Well, then, okay, so how do we didn't even know you were in the hospital because that we have said this is how we... You know, a church that's running twelve, thirteen hundred on a weekend. You know, we can't pay enough people. We can't afford to pay people to know everybody. Yeah. The small group leaders really where that's happening at an intimate level because we believe smaller is better. Yeah. So we have to have that cell approach uh, to that. We really count on we we count it as a core. You know, we have four core functions that we want to. Do. We would come together and worship, grow together in groups serve together in, in ministry teams, and then go together in outreach. Um, so that is really one of our core functions for us as small groups. That's good. And, you know, I think that's such an important thing that you just said is, is first of all, understand that healthy things grow. Okay, so a lot of times I'll hear uh, people in churches say, you know, I like my church because it's small. Okay, what what you're saying is I like my church because I have effective relationships in this church. And so what you really need to do is, well, we want to reach people, right? We want to reach people for Christ. And so um, as our churches get bigger, 
we need to keep helping them get smaller uh, so that we can build those really effective, caring, uh, um, accountable relationships. So as your church gets bigger, it has to get smaller. Um, and, and, uh, um, and that's just a really critical thing, I think, that you just shared. Um, so dealing with small groups in particular, you shared your strategy, you shared how you do them, how important they are, all of that. How have they worked well uh, and, and how have they been difficult for you at the church? Sure. I think where they've worked well is it really does allow us to ensure um, that there's personal connection mm-hmm. and people feel you know, this vicarious attachment to to the pastoral staff because they're like, mm-hmm. and they really care for me. And I'm like, all right, I'm not sure I even know who you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we've right. all had that occasion, I think, at least in our church, we I have at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really feel cared for because somebody is caring for them in a... Um, in a surrogate role, mm-hmm. and it really has worked well. I mean, we've seen, you know, you show up at the hospital, um, you show up at the family home after a death, and everything's been taken care of by the small group. The pastoral care, the community is really established. Um, where it's probably where we struggled and where probably the most difficult thing to do is ensuring, um, you know, I think there's a balance between people who really love people but aren't great disciplers, Spiritual growth is as important in the context as it's not just a care group; hmm. it really is a spiritual growth group. That's right. Um, and we we or we have people who really they're great teachers, but there's no community. Hmm. So we really try to build our you our new people building relationships there because we tell in our in our. Um, next steps class for new members you want to get to know people get in a group that's where connection happens Mm -hmm. you want to be cared for get in a group Mm -hmm. you want to have a personal discipleship uh get in a group yeah and if all three of those are in balance where we have problem is they're only doing two of the three or one of the three so that's where we probably struggled um super teachers who don't disciple and build community or great connectors who aren't um doing effective discipleship. And by the way, I, I often I often talk about small groups as herding cats. Mm. Uh, the more of them you have, the harder they are to kind of manage, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so I think you're you're making a great uh, point in there about the importance of training your small groups, ongoing training, ongoing accountability. How are we making sure that our small group leaders are continuing to do the things we're asking them to do? Because again, we all have these tendencies to lean one way or another. And like you're saying, you have three main priorities. Well, how do you know they're happening in those groups unless you are uh, taking the time to train and and measure and all those sorts of things that will help them be successful. So I think that's really good. Um, here's a here's a great question that o- often comes up is, should your groups be open or closed? Um, what's the right way to do it? I'm a fan of open groups because I think th- that is our, our assimilation, a primary assimilation strategy for us. Um, I do recognize that you know, there's a reality that if the group has existed together for 18 to 24 months or longer, there's so much shared history mm-hmm. that the new guy is always going to be the new guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been in this group for 10 years. Yeah. But you're still the new guy, you know, yeah. because you weren't here for those. You don't remember this story. Right. Um, so we, we want to be starting new groups regularly, 
but we want our groups to be open and we really want to encourage our group leaders that empty chair, who are you praying for? Who's close to you, but far from God. Mm -hmm. Um, and how can this group get them into the small group? Cause for some people, the most difficult thing they could ever do is walk into a church door. Yeah. Yeah. But to come over to a friend's house for dinner and a Bible study, yeah. they're really open. Yeah. For others, the hardest thing they'd ever do is go into a stranger's home, and they'd rather go to a church door and be where they can be a little bit more anonymous. Yeah. So we have to have both of them as a front door for us. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good. And and sometimes, and, and by the way, uh, one suggestion is don't use the term you're dividing the groups when you're adding another group. No one wants to divide a group. You're multiplying right. groups. It makes a huge difference. So you're, you're not necessarily taking half the people out of your small group to start a new group. Maybe you take one couple or two couples out of a group to start a new group. You, you're, you want to communicate that there's always a place for you. There's always a place for you to be, but we're not, we're not like cutting an arm off of, of your small group that, right. that you've developed these close relationships with. And so it is it is a both and. And, and I think you need to be careful probably too to not be multiplying groups in the middle of a crisis in your group. You know, if you're, if you're spending time praying for someone who's dealing with significant cancer or, or a wayward child that are, you know, that bad things are happening, probably not a great time to add someone to a group or, right. or to multiply that group. They need to deal with that issue. But I, 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 I agree with you, Daniel, that, um, that we, we need to be thinking of our groups as open groups. And specifically, I love that empty chair mentality is I tell, I tell groups actually put an empty chair right. around, around the circle uh, to remind you to be praying for that someone, that person who's far from Christ uh, to, to, to join your group so that they might uh, see uh, the gospel uh, lived out in, in your group. Another question, a couple more here. What, what, what sh when should a church think about small groups? And, and I kind of I hinted at this earlier, but what size church should start thinking about small groups? So my, uh, my sort of tongue-in-cheek answer is, well, Jesus had 12 disciples, and he had a small group within that 12 group yeah. disciples. Yeah, so I'm an early adopter. You know, Trey's getting ready to do a church plant. I'm encouraging him to, to pre-launch to get his small groups going because it's really where that discipleship and leadership development can happen. If you're doing a discussion hmm. and everybody— there's no way everybody could speak into the discussion, which to me is 12 to 15, maybe 20 if you're a really good collaborator. Once you get beyond 20, then you need small groups. Otherwise, people won't be able to be known and heard. Ah, there you go. And so uh, that's once you get out of that cell church into that 50 to 60, I think you really got to have small groups by mm. the time you're, you're there. And home Bible studies, that's real, the real connection. And as a planter, maybe you can be doing most of them while you're developing it, but then you know you shouldn't be leading five small groups. You got to be multiplying yourself. That's good. I, it's it's so true, isn't it? Is that as the group gets bigger, well, who talks? Uh, the extroverts. Yes. Right. It's it's the talkers talk. And then the people who really need to talk, the, um, the, the, the more introverted people, the quieter people, they never have an opening to talk. And as that group gets bigger, man, it is so hard. So either, like you say, you have to have a facilitator in that group who's just a master at helping those other people get involved, or you have to make those groups smaller. And, and I would actually argue um, that 12 is about max. Yep. Um, and, and, and I would say six is about the minimum. I don't know if you agree with this, Daniel, but... Um, 
um, if you if you get under six too much, it starts to get a little awkward yep. uh, for people. It's like, oh man, it's, I'm, I'm like the only I have to talk all the time because I'm it. And and now you've really become more of a mentor group than you are a small group. So really, I think six to twelve is just a really good target. And then. You know, it's not like when you're 12, you multiply your group, but probably when you're 15, you want to multiply that group right. so you can get those groups uh, continuing to function. Yeah, we would say yeah, that 6 to 12 is where we are. If you're dealing with couples, then we say 5 five to se- 8 couples is okay. that sweet yeah. spot. Yeah. Because if it's 3 couple, if it's 6 and 1 couple shows up, yeah. it's just a dinner party. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, so we, we if we can have 5 couples, then... One misses, you still got eight people, yeah. and then you can still have good. good discussion. So that's how we sort of take the couples approach. That's good um, for us. We think that's important. That's good. That's great. All right, here's the most important question of the entire day: um, the question that affects every small group, not every small group, but a lot of small groups. The one that is the nightmare for small group coordinators to figure out, and that's this: Are you ready? What's the silver bullet for child care? How in the world are we going to actually do that well? Well, I could tell you um, for a subscription, uh, <laughs> you can go to my website. A donation of a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I right. Send you my white paper on that. No, I, that that is the biggest issue. You know, we we have a hybrid model of Sunday school, you know, a Bible fellowship groups, whatever we called them back in the day, um, on campus versus off campus is how we define them, um, because as a hundred and 10-year-old church, we have that history, and it works well for a lot of people. Um, but then we also have this growing home group aspect, and then we have a campus that's in a portable facility. Um, with All their groups are home groups. Uh, so for us, the, the easy we, we've done a couple of things that help with taking off the Sunday school model. Um, we do Wednesday night programming for students and kids, and if you're within you know, 10, 15 minutes of the church, drop your kids off, go to small group, come back. A centralized daycare works for us. The other is we we offer a, um, hey, we'll pay for a babysitter. We got kids in the youth group that want to go on missions trips, things like that, go pay for camp. We'll, we'll provide some names or you get a vo- uh, somebody to babysit. We'll reimburse the group for child care. Most of the groups don't take us up on it, but we try to provide that and we just budget for it. Um, I was at a North Point's groups conference and they were talking about that and they're like, we could pay for babysitters for every group every week and it'd still be cheaper than building, big enough building to provide all that and That's staff good. for it. So they, they're like, we're just going to, we're going to make it part of our operating budget. So we t- sort of adopted that and it's been it hasn't been nearly as overwhelming as I thought it was going to be. Hmm. We just Venmo them, you know, Venmo the kid, yeah. you know, whatever, 15, 20 bucks to, to keep the kids. Yeah, by the way, if you write out a check to that kid, they're not going to know what to do yeah. with it. So, yes, Venmo them the money. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Daniel. And, and, you know, there's this fine line between, you know, we need to teach our young people uh, the the um, value of serving in the church. And so, you know, some, some people might think, well, if we pay them, we're going to give them the wrong uh, impression about what it means to serve at church. But I also think sometimes we use kids as this sort of default. Hey, we'll ask the kids to do this. We'll ask the kids to do this. And we sort of take advantage of them that way, too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't even know what the going rate is for child care, but I know it's a whole lot more than what I was paying 
when my kids were young. Um, and so we, we can go bankrupt trying to pay babysitters. So I'm not saying you have to pay the going rate for that, right. but I do think it's fair uh, to, uh, to, to, to pay sitters, uh, to pay these people uh, to come and to watch your kids. The other thing I would say too, is sometimes a, a small group will say, you know, we want our kids involved in our small group. You know, we, we have sort of a family approach to small groups. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be negative on that because I think it can work in some small groups because they're trying to bring the family together and teach together. But man alive, number one, you really have to be intentional about what that means. Uh, and I don't know if a lot of groups are equipped to do that well. And secondly, sometimes I think the adults need to be together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that sharing together as adults, I actually think we need more often to split the men and women up even in our groups. And right. have your prayer time not always be always together, but separate because the guys are going to share stuff together that they may not be willing to share with their wives and vice versa. And so um, I, I just... Just be thinking about that. Even you know, I know that goes beyond childcare, but but um, you really need to be intentional and don't be afraid uh, to pay people right <laughs> uh, to come and, and to do that. Yeah, because the flip side is you also we need to be encouraging our people to invest in their own spiritual growth. Yeah, and there the church go. isn't yep. just a spiritual charity; they should be investing in it. Yeah, um, and to pay you know collectively, everybody chip in five bucks to pay for a sitter to watch all our kids in the bonus room or in the backyard or wherever um, really is not a big deal. And it's helping them know, Hey, this is, this is important. I put my money toward what's important to me. Yep. There you go. There you go. Well, Hey, I, um, there's so much more that we could talk about, but um, I want to close things up for today. Um, But um, there very well might be somebody who'd say, you know what, man, this Daniel Warren, he knows a thing or two about small groups. I'd love to pick his brain a little bit more. How could someone get in contact with you if they'd like to talk more? Yeah, I'd I'd love to do that. You can just email me, dwarren, D-W-A-R-R-E-N, at tbc.org. And um, I would love to help any way I can um, and help you really develop your small group strategy, um, implement leader training, really whatever, whatever. There's a couple of different key points of a small group system, and uh, we can do sort of an evaluation analysis and get you a plan to get get that healthy and a vital part of your church. Awesome, awesome. Well, man, thanks so much uh, for, for coming and, and doing this. I appreciate it very much. Uh, we always ask if uh, our guest could uh, pray a prayer blessing on those who are listening, specifically our pastors and leaders in our churches. Would you mind doing that as we close up? Sure. God, we love you. And uh, I'm thankful for uh, those who are listening today and the, the investment they're making daily into people's lives for your namesake. They, as your under-shepherds, um, your faithful servants, um, Father, help them to feel the weight of those that watch for other souls. Um, and then, Father, I pray that you would just uh, encourage them and bless them. Um, Father, think particularly in this area of small group ministry, that they would, you would give them wisdom and skill uh, to build others up, and you'd also bring along uh, fellow laborers who they can invest in, train up, uh, teach those faithful men and women so that they can teach others also. Mm-hmm. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to leverage these small group strategies to to multiply leaders, to share the burden of shepherding and care so that we can effectively uh, minister to those you've entrusted to us as pastors. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Daniel. And I just want to thank all of you for joining us. 
um, you know, this this season, we want to just hear from you. We want to hear your stories about how uh, God is increasing gospel health in your church. And I'd love to hear stories about how how have small groups worked even in the, in the life of your church. We'd love it if you'd share those stories with us. You can send it by way of an email to me at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at convergementamerica.org. Or you can uh, put them on our Facebook page at the Advanced Podcast and then lastly, I just want to make sure you just continue to share this podcast with your friends. And don't forget to check out our website at advancethechurch.org. Advanced Podcast is a ministry of Convergement America. Our mission is to start and strengthen churches that exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. If you'd like to learn more about Convergement America, visit our website at convergementamerica.org.